you remember that game? What? Do you remember the game Cookie Clicker? None. It was like that that like Facebook game from forever ago that then got moved onto like its own site, and it was just like one of those leave it in the background running games. But then it, it's like dumb. Is it a, like literally a clicker game? It's a clicker game, yeah. But it, it starts to get like really intricate and off the rails. And um... okay, I'm back. Okay, <laughs> Cookie Clicker. All right, wait, let's go. Welcome to Send News, the Inside Gaming Podcast. I am Brian, your host, and I'm going to let everybody else introduce themselves. Hi, everyone. My name is Zach Niblick. I'm Alana. What's up? And back again. You know who it is. It's Evan Campbell. (laughs) You know who it is, but I'm still going to introduce myself, though. (laughs) Evan, I'm still here, Campbell. I'm still here, Campbell. Yeah, that's that's definitely me. Best to be safe. You guys thought you got rid of me. Still here. (laughs) <laughs> That's the smoothest the introductions have ever gone. Well Nailed done, it. everybody. You're Nailed welcome. It. You're yep. welcome. Can only go down from here. <laughs> all right, guys, let's get to the news first of all. And maybe the biggest news this week, the PS5 controller. It's here. It's unveiled. Sony showed it off. Uh, the big news is, of course, that it's two-toned. Uh, very controversial. This has really divided the gaming community. I, I think it's all right. What, what do y'all think? Uh, I don't love it, but I have this weird thing where I never love controllers initially. Every single new controller I have ever seen, I go, ew. And then, you know, I'm completely fine with it in a year. There's something just about how futuristic they seem to always try to make them look yeah, that I find really yeah. off-putting. And I think this one especially is like that. Um, I think it's a bit of a bummer that we don't have the light bar on the back, but my understanding is that they've moved that to the front of the controller now, because I really love that light bar. I think, like, you know, playing through Resident Evil right now, I think it's it's a ton of fun to have something tell you your health with a light bar that, if you're playing in the dark, you know, changes the color of the whole room. I think that's a really cool feature. Um, that is good. I didn't even know it yeah, did that. Yeah. yeah, wow. I'm playing RE on PC right now. Yeah, um, and then I guess having a microphone built in is... Um, cool but I'm, I'm very curious about the quality of that yeah i don't know i'm scared it's gonna make team chat and all that stuff real bad but you know for the most part i'm excited about this i'm excited it looks so different it does the most different they've ever done i think yeah oh no this is definitely a departure that's that in fact i was gonna say the aesthetics of it aside like i'm more worried than anything about the uh, like bulk of it it looks like way more akin to an xbox one size of like chunk controller which I is, is not preferred. Like I highly prefer the PS4 controller to the Xbox One yeah, controller. See, I prefer it being bigger because uh, for whatever reason, I've always found PlayStation controllers a little uncomfortable. Hmm. Um, so the size, like not that I have big hands, I probably have the smallest hands of this group of people, but uh, I don't know, something about, about the size of a PlayStation controller is always like bothered to my thumbs. I think it's maybe also just the, the uh, joystick placement, but... I'm happy about the size, and I've seen people like give takes on either side of, of what you've just said, where some people really like the size, some people really don't, but I feel like it's so hard to judge unless, until we actually get our hands on it. All right now, it's just a wild guess, but it does look a lot more like an Xbox controller than they've ever done before, which is an interesting choice. It is very Xboxy, and it is weird because I... I liked the PS4 controller. I thought they sort of hit the peak of like mm. the DualShock line with the DualShock 4. But but I get that they have to iterate. They have to give you something new. I, I don't know. I, I won't. Sense. Yeah, exactly. I won't know until I'm really holding it. But uh, I don't know. It's fine. The, the microphone does scare me a little bit yeah. because of... You're going to hear everyone's music playing in the background and shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and just, I don't know, like privacy-wise, anything with a microphone in your immediate area, I always, you know, not to get too conspiratorial, no, but it's like there's some there's some issues there. But yeah, that's um, all things being equal, I, I'm, I'm excited. Just I, mainly I want to see the box now. That's I feel like that's the one thing we're really missing. Yeah. Yeah. We also, I feel like this came out of nowhere. Like, I feel like Big maybe time. it's yeah. because of, of, you know, what's happening in the world right now. But I feel like PlayStation or Sony's marketing cycle um, with the PS5 so far has been like a random drop of something unexpectedly. Yes, it seems really strange. Right. But isn't Sony's thing usually is we always see the box first. And then like right. I remember in the, the before the PS3 launched, that you know, you had the PS3 and then the still boomerang controller and a lot of like the the photos that like editorial was using. So it's interesting to have that the other way around and then have the bedpan toilet still be what I'm visually visualizing <laughs> as the box. 
Yeah, wonder, this marketing cycle has been just a bunch of weird lectures from Mark Cerny. Who I love. <laughs> the controller. But yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I love him too. <laughs> I suspect this happened because I know that they are just about to send out the controllers to devs. They actually hadn't done that yet. Uh, so that is just about to happen. I'm kind of wondering if, you know, in lieu of having another conference to reveal something like this, they were like, well, let's just reveal it ourselves so it doesn't get leaked. Uh, because they in, did allude to that in the announcement, yeah, that they had sent it out to the de- or yeah, they were just about to, just about to, yeah. And in this instance, I feel like it's um because they're having to send those to people's homes. It's a little bit different to normally sending one to an office where it stays for uh, testing purposes. They're having to send it to people's homes because so many of the development studios, first party studios, are working from home now. So I feel like it was probably a we have to do this or it's going to leak. Someone is going to someone's spouse is going to post a photo or someone's kid is going to post a photo. So let's just get ahead of it. Maybe. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's a really good point. Yeah. yeah. I'm just glad they kept the big center button. I just love having that big giant love button right there. Button. You don't even have also, to. Didn't they change one of them to, oh, it's not share now. It's create. I'm like, yes. shut up. Oh, it's options. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's Start basically the same thing. Yeah. They just changed the name. I yeah. Share. The one thing so, I do like that that's come out of this is people are changing the hamburger button to the pancake button. I think that's a win for, for everyone. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's, that's not a thing I thought about before. Yeah. Very also, important stuff. Did you guys see that poll of um, of Ryan McCaffrey and Greg Miller asking their followers who preferred off stick, uh, offset thumbsticks versus inline thumbsticks? No, what did they say? It was kind of interesting. So I, I think it's like Ryan McCaffrey, he's former, I want to say gaming former. Alana, do you know? Uh, Ryan McCaffrey was, is the executive editor of previews at IGN. There we go. Sorry. He was at Xbox, official Xbox magazine for a while. Uh, so Ryan gets kind of pegged as an Xbox fanboy, I guess. And Greg, obviously, they have the show PS I Love You. Um, so yeah, have, Ryan's like, the host of uh, Podcast Unlocked, which is IGN's Xbox podcast. And actually, Greg was the host of uh, Beyond, which was IGN's PlayStation podcast. So, so that makes a lot of sense. But yeah. uh, so one of them posted like, yeah, I know. Or Ryan posted, I know my following tilts towards Xbox, but humor me anyway here. And just as a fun exercise, if you don't mind, he did a poll for offset thumbs versus inline. Mm-hmm. And obviously, like offset thumbs win because uh, 65% to 34%. And then for Greg, he did the same thing. And he said, I know my following told towards PlayStation, but humor me anyway. Here's just a fun exercise if you don't mind. And then offset thumbsticks won by 51% so to 48%. So it's weird. Yeah. I, I've read stuff about, um, you know, the thumbsticks, the Xbox version being psychologically the correct design is, is the theory is that they found that your brain finds it easier to separate um, walking and controlling a camera if they are further apart. Huh. Um, that, that is, so it's supposed to be like, you know, if you're if you're a, a gamer, like most people who be listening to this podcast, you play games all the time, you are not going to have any problem with dual thumbs. But if you hand a controller to someone who has uh, never tried to control a camera before, they have a lot of trouble. It's, it's very awkward to watch someone try to figure out how to do both of those things. So... The theory is that it's actually easier to learn on an Xbox controller. Hmm. Uh, but after that, I don't th- think it matters. Like, I feel like it's just whatever you touch the most. And I think I tend to touch an Xbox controller the most because I use my Elite and I use it on PC as well. So, like, any, you know, racing games or whatever, that's what I'm going to use. But um, So confirmed uh, inline controls, way more hardcore, way more gamer. Yeah, uh, Xbox, harder to use. the populist box of You're the right. people. You're right. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the correct hardcore was... box would be the DualShock. <laughs> It, it is better for fighting games, I, I feel like. Yeah, unless you use, you're using an Elite, probably. Yeah, that's that's probably true. But yeah, you're right. Um, PlayStation controller. I feel like I also, I don't know, I, 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 think they're, they're, uh, I probably prefer it for an FPS as well, weirdly. But anything that's like a lot of walking forward in a big open world, I find the Xbox controller more comfortable. I guess at the end of the day, who cares? Yeah, it's never made, <laughs> <laughs> it's never made that big of a difference to me, honestly. Yeah. I, I like them both. I don't know. It's like kind of learning a different language or something, I guess, but way easier, obviously. Yeah. Um, but you brought up a good point, Alana. I think a lot of criticism came out about like the they removed the colors um, on the, the shape buttons, right? And then also, obviously, being able to tell new players like whether or not to play the pancake button or the shock button or whatever. Like yeah. they're the same shape and they're kind of bland, so... Uh, Wait, and then the, that's a criticism. What does that mean? The pancake? You said yeah. that like pancake versus hamburger. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, so if you look at the face of it. Folding paper? Yeah, if you look at the face of it, it's, there, it's the button with the three lines, and it looks like a stack of pancakes. Oh, but yeah. in web development, people usually call that the hamburger button. I don't yes. know why. Yeah. Uh, okay. Press that I hamburger. See. I had no idea. Yeah. yeah now you know. Um, <laughs> the more you know. Well, 
there you go. Uh, all right, let's move on from talking. Oh, wait, control. Brian. Uh, yes. Brian, let me help you segue. Um, <laughs> when this controller comes out and all this crisis blows over, do you think we might be able to buy them in a, a, a retail store, maybe perhaps like a GameStop? <laughs> well, maybe not in Massachusetts because what? GameStop was shut down by <gasps> the authorities. Uh, now, as we all know, GameStop, tried to stay open as long as they could, at least through Animal Crossing and Doom Eternal to get those releases out. But uh, for most most areas, I think they have shut down to just um, kind of internet orders, have like a skeleton crew, one or two people to hand out games to people. In Massachusetts, though, it sounded like they were playing very fast and loose with the uh, with the uh, basically corporate telling them to wrap their hands in a GameStop bag, crack the door, and hand people their games that oh my way. God. Uh, I can't believe yeah, this. The, yeah. And woe the to you if you use a non-GameStop plastic bag. <laughs> You're fired. You will be out on the street. Man, I worked there for like four years, and they are so specific about shit like that. I bet you that was mandated. <laughs> It's in, oh, the, totally. in the official memo. It says, is it, it, uh, really? it says you can use a GameStop oh plastic bag. Brian, is that how they, they word it, right? It's like, make sure to lightly, lightly tape a GameStop bag around your hands. Yeah, they're Same. not monsters. Yeah. <laughs> Light, lightly tape it so, you know, that your hands aren't stuck that way forever. It, isn't it all a metaphor how you are lightly chained to this uh, conglomerate, which mm-hmm. gives you your paycheck? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, corporate told them to do that. And and I think the, the discrepancy is that they had sort of released this or, or, or previously had this, you know, five part plan and you you show somebody your ID through glass and they're going to leave it out for you oh and God. it sounded a lot safer than uh, in practice where it was just you know, uh, uh, kind of shady on GameStop's part. And uh, finally, the state of Massachusetts <laughs> basically shut them down. They forced them all to close. They had their non-essential businesses uh, sort of edict. If you were not essential, you had to close. GameStop tried to declare itself essential. Nobody was buying it. So I think they're totally shut down in Massachusetts. I'm wondering if other states will follow suit now. Uh, closing them down? Yeah. I feel like almost definitely, yeah. I mean, the the rules for non-essential are pretty vague. Like, technically, uh, we would be considered essential because um, Inside Gaming counts as media. Uh, we could get away with it. Uh, but, you know, why not? <laughs> um, buying a video game, a retailer, I don't think there's any way that they can get away with being considered essential. But the one problem I know that they're having in, like, Italy, for example, is... People who've pre-ordered games, like Final Fantasy has obviously been a really big one. Um, right. Because the stores are closed, they can't cancel their pre-orders, but they're also not being delivered to them. So people who've spent potentially hundreds of dollars on a collector's edition are just completely unable to get that with no indication of if the businesses are going to open again, no way to cancel it, oh, get their money back. They aren't taking sucks. online cancellations. Yeah. Yeah, it's a huge mess. And I feel like GameStop closing down because I, they are a, a big pre-order focused company more so than literally any other company i can think of i don't think there's any other retailer i walk into where they try to make me goddamn buy something that's not coming out for a year (laughs) i feel like that logistically is going to be a huge problem for them to have to figure out and like that that i mean i don't think they can survive this so they're just clinging on to the idea of wow we don't have to refund every single person's pre-order that we have because we need that damn money or they've already spent some of it um and they're going to lose all of their sales. They're already in so much financial trouble. I understand why they're fighting to stay open, but they, I don't think they can compete with the states. There's no case for them being essential. It's just a, it's just a goddamn mess. No, you're right. And and I saw on their website, they, they're kind of trying to portray themselves as like a tech company now and that somehow can facilitate like, uh, you know, uh, distance learning or, or remote communication. It's it's very what? much a stretch. But they, yeah, it, it was weird. Let me let me try to pull oh it up God. on their website. Yeah, they were trying to position themselves as like a radio shack where they were like in this unprecedented kind time of, of everyone yes. needing to work from home. We sell That's right. keyboards and mice. And I was like, uh, then there was like that. Um, you could do that online though, fam. I'm sorry. Yeah, and there was that tweet. There was that tweet from like a GameStop manager that was like, "We have one mouse in stock in our stores, and it's been here for like a year, and yeah. no one has ever even asked to see it." Like, oh, it's wild because uh, obviously the games industry as a whole has um, entire media outlets covering just games. I feel like if this was 
a grocery store chain or something like the, the regular news isn't going to like find out about these memos and stuff generally. But with the games press and, you know, games, uh, GameStop employees being, you know, pretty forward thinking, I don't think a, a number of them would hesitate for a second to share like memos and stuff about like what's going on inside or behind the scenes because we I get it all the time. Right. And it's just like, also just oh, the people yeah, in the games industry care. Like, yeah, get games community yeah, cares. Right. I don't think anyone else is going to be like, well, what does Target's memo say? <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, so you'd figure that 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 corporate would learn their lesson by now. They're being heavily watched, especially yeah, now. Very true. Yeah, uh, it, their their employees, I, I found in my own interactions with them are very passionate and they want to, you know, they're fans of games. They read about them. They pay attention to the games media. When something happens yeah. uh, with corporate, they let us know about it. Yeah, true. Yeah, I mean, and hold on. I found that spot. Oh, did you? Yeah. So they wrote, this is on their preventative measures a uh, little tab on their website, which is kind of all about COVID. But they said, while GameStop is best known as a provider of gaming and home entertainment systems, we also offer a wide variety of products and devices that are important to facilitate remote work, distance learning, mm. and virtual connectivity. No, you don't. Uh, yeah. To go on, as millions of Americans face unprecedented challenges adapting to virtual learning, working, and interaction, there is significant need for technology solutions, and we are one of many providers of these products that are remaining open at this time. Mm. So, yeah, it's it's they're trying to kind of muddy the water a little bit. Yeah, it's, uh, definitely just some desperation. Yeah, they're like writing a desperate line where it's like there's so many other states that are that like Massachusetts is like, okay, they've drawn the line in the sand for like how much shit they're willing to take from GameStop. And there are plenty of other states in the union that that I could totally see giving even less of a shit. Mm -hmm. And like not like I like I'm from the South and I can totally see no no hatred towards my origins. But like I could totally see some of those states being like. Uh, like uh, yeah, go keep buying your games like you would, you know, entering a prohibition bar or like a drug deal or something, just like through a crack in the door. Yeah, you can oh, see. Oh, trust a, um, me, Texas is fine with it. Yeah, you can yeah, see a map. Like, so many people don't care. Yeah, yeah. New York Times posted a map of the amount of travel that is still happening, and it has like red in the areas that are um, still basically conducting a lot of travel, which I think they found by satellite. The middle of America, it's like a line. Just like split right in the middle, bright red. <laughs> like they're just like, ah, I keep going out. Yeah, I know. But of well, course, the states have been hit harder, the higher population. So it, it is, you know, it's not like we. Right. Well, actually, California did act really quickly. New York, frankly, did not. Um, so it varies, obviously. And a lot of those high travel areas, too, in, in a little bit of their defense, are, I think, are more rural. So yeah. I think they have to drive a little bit more. But I, I agree with the larger point. And uh, in a lot of cases, don't have um, as good internet connection. Yep, they can't necessarily right. work from home. I think there's a lot of privileges that we forget about. But yep, totally. yeah, regardless, you know, GameStop is putting people at risk. It's They, they can't keep doing it. Um, but it's also, you know, I'm not in the camp of people that wants to see them shut down. I feel like a lot of the games community is like, oh, you deserve it. Oh, your uh, resale prices are too high, haha, <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> um, I, I don't want to lose that part of the games community. I love walking in a game store. And even though I feel like I rarely do it these days, um, there's something very comforting about that's the problem you know yeah i know there's something really comforting about walking in there and, and seeing games on the shelves and I, I that's how i buy a lot of gifts is is in a GameStop around christmas time uh i try and get my whole family into video games by buying them things that i think maybe they'll play <laughs> i still don't think they do but i try <laughs> um but i, I feel like it, it shutting down will be a real bummer and you know they just announced that shift in strategy and put reggie on the board and a, trying to make esports hubs, which naturally right now they absolutely cannot do. So it's just a company desperately trying to stay alive. And I don't know, I feel like if they just go digital, if they were efficient enough digitally, they could make themselves the go-to hub for pre-orders or, or game codes or even digital codes. Um, as most people use Amazon right now, it's just they were too late to the jump. Yeah, I think they're they're kind of searching for a new identity, but they've got so much legacy product mm. and infrastructure i mean i came out of newspaper and and they've been doing that forever and it's i a, a lot of the uh, symptoms seem the same and a lot of the reactions and and just to kind of 
try to shrink, but also try to wring as much money out of your existing customers as you yeah. can. And yeah. I, I definitely feel like that's what they're doing now. And it's crappy that they're still staying open. I mean, at least right now, I don't, I don't want them to go out of business either. I think, I think there's a space for games retailing, but it, it feels like just sort of naked capitalism at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm personally very much looking forward to having GameStop be in the center of my gaming ecosystem, where I can go and hang out with fellow gamers and play um, quality CRT yes, TV-based games. <laughs> I just I need I need like a I need a place to go on Saturday mornings where I know I'm not going to get judged. Um, <laughs> I mean, we joke. Is but, that but a that, thing anymore? Yeah. Everybody plays games though now. Who, who's judging? No, They're going to be the new books a million. I do I used think to go that to play like it's, it's so easy for us to forget that there are a lot of people out there who still are the only gamer that they know. And getting to go to a convention like an E3 or whatever, which to, you know, anyone who works in the industry or people who work in um, cities that are tech hubs, you just take it for granted, I think. And there are still probably a lot of people in, yeah. in more rural, rural areas that um, feel like they don't have a lot of friends who necessarily have common nerdy interests and maybe it's not that common. So I feel like it is it is something that that is valuable to a lot of people. I just don't think the places where it's valuable are ones that are going to draw in a lot of people and make a lot of money. Yeah, and I think it's a shame that that GameStop does tend to be that kind of beacon for a lot of people because they clearly don't have the interests of their community and their customers at heart, right? Yeah, very true. Yeah, so it, it, I mean, maybe the upside is somebody looks at the GameStop model and learns from its mistakes and uh, you know, flips that on its head or somebody's yeah. inspired to start a new, better retail chain. I don't know. I don't. It seems yeah, rough right now. Yeah. That is a good point, though, about uh, game stores like that being kind of social hubs, mm -hmm. really, because, you know, uh, gaming can be very much a, an isolated experience. But, gee, I, uh, I have really found, uh, especially in working at Rooster Teeth these last few years, uh, uh, so many gamers are very social and want to, you know, uh, want to kind of meet up and, you know, hang out and, and do land parties and things like that. So, um, yeah. Th yeah, that would be a shame because I, I do think they serve as kind of a place of, look, we, we all are into the same thing here. Yeah. I mean, when I worked there, I, I loved that. Like I, I always had friends who played games, I guess, like, the girls I was friends with in high school did totally make fun of me for talking about video games. I remember this one day really distinctly <laughs> where I was talking about Dead Rising and uh, one of the girls who was one of my best friends just looked at me and said, you know what? I can't even pretend to care anymore. Shut the fuck up. And I remember being oh, so God. offended. Yeah. God. And I was like, oh my God. Uh, but then I just was like, okay, I just can't, can't talk to you about video games anymore, which is probably like, frankly, a socially like very awkward thing that I was doing was just like, talking to people who have no interest in something about something that I was very passionate about at the time. Like, it probably sh I should have read the room and maybe I needed that wake-up call that I was like, well, you see Frank West in the shopping center or whatever. You um, when you were on minute... a picture of Frank West. <laughs> when you were on minute... Quick. <laughs> when you were on minute 30 of talking about Dead Rising, you yeah, know, she was like, like you I'm, know what, I've had enough. I'm not going to put it all out. on her, but I think that, you know, even in my high school, aside from some... Of my guy friends who played a fair amount of Halo, I did play more video games than anyone else. And I, working at GameStop, which is actually still EB Games in Australia, the same company, it's just that they kept the EB Games name in Australia rather than rebranding because it was already so established there. Um, I loved the, the opportunity of working there and just getting to talk to people about video games. Like, my favorite thing was if someone would come in, like a parent, and be like, I want to buy this for my kid. And I'd be like, yeah. sweet, what kind of games do they like? And then I like build this profile and then I figure out what game to get them. And I, I always found that really, really exciting. But it was also just, you know, having people come in and pick up a pre-order and getting to talk to them about like their experience with the franchise or whatever was really fun for me. And that's even as a person who like I did have at least some people in my social circle who played video games, even if it wasn't as much as me. So imagine someone who doesn't have that really at all. That's kind of one of the only places you can go outside of a convention where you get to talk to people who like the same stuff as you. And that is always really fun. <laughs> Objectively very fun. That's why I started doing it for a living. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's something I, we shouldn't I, take uh, 
before I never worked in a game store, but I worked, uh, this is completely dating myself, a blockbuster video back in yes, the day. And, yeah. And, and one of the, <laughs> one of the most fun experiences I had working there was just people, some people would just come in and ask you for a recommendation, just so like, good. what's good? What should I watch? And you're like, oh yes. And you're like, well, yeah. what do you like? And you know, Bridge you, on you the try- River Kwai. <laughs> Maybe you've heard of Lawrence of Arabia. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it was just really fun when somebody trusted you, which makes total sense because you work there. You obviously like like a lot of movies. We got like five free rentals a week. It was so much fun. Damn. But yeah, just to kind of share, you know, you could geek out with somebody and and really help somebody. So I can totally see in the gaming space that that would be a blast, especially, yeah, for a parent who's in over their head. They don't know what they're doing. They're throwing yourself themselves to your mercy and just like helping them make a good call. The hottest one I always got was there can be no swearing that <laughs> I stare at a wall of Xbox 360 <laughs> games and go, huh? <laughs> like it's not easy to find games that have no swearing, but they're like, I want it for my 15 year old son, but there can't be any swearing and not a lot of violence. I'm like, well, okay, no. let's <laughs> go like, to the DS. Yeah, wall, have you considered ma'am. cooking mama? <laughs> Not to like wax poetic about GameStop any longer, but it, you did bring up an interesting distinction about like the branding between EB and GameStop earlier. Because like I remember, uh, in when I was in like middle school and high school, my local mall had both an EB and a GameStop, Damn. and when they were two separate entities, like they were the same company, I, I think, or maybe it was like even bef- before they had merged, or I don't know the, this corporate structure, but like EB was the like you go for a call of duty and be like, oh yeah, like tell me all about the newest FPS. And it was just very like almost like the the bro place to go get the game. It was mm. really cool and flashy. And then like b- tucked into the back corner of the mall was this this like very unassuming store called GameStop. And like it didn't have as cool a logo. It was just black and red blocky letters. And it was like everyone you walked in and you would do that that thing where you're like, hey, can I have, get a recommendation? They're like push up their glasses and like, okay, what do you want? What kind of shit are you really? into? And like they get real hardcore with you. And it's like, I didn't, I haven't even thought of GameStop as like the, the place to go get that really hardcore, like very um, enthusiast recommendation on something in so, so long. Cause it's, we all think of GameStop as the opposite. So yeah, it's weird. But because for us it is the opposite, but for a lot of people, it's really helpful. It's, yeah. you just, it's, I don't know. I just always try to like remind myself of the fact that, I am a person who works in the games industry. All of my friends work in the games industry. I spend a lot of time at conventions. Uh, I have access to codes. Like, that's a tremendous privilege that, you know, I, I did have a period of time where I was the awkward one in the group getting told to shut the fuck up about Dead Rising uh, because people just didn't <laughs> want to hear me talk about video games. And there's still a lot of people out there who feel that way. Um, but, but they are, I think in a lot of cases, especially this year with all the conventions shut down, just like losing avenues to talk about that stuff. So well, thank God for the internet, I guess. But shout out to those people. It gets better. I promise. Yeah. yeah. You'll, you'll eventually hang out and find fellow nerds. I do think the internet does make it better though. And sometimes yeah. even within the industry, people don't want to hear you talk about the same game over and over again, which sucks, but yeah, you know, that's at true. least you that's have true. the, the, you know, like where we work and everything. It's, it's much cooler and yeah, it, it does get better for sure. Brian, you're right. You do have to put effort in though. Like, like you segue into talking about awkward nerds, but um, you, you do have to like make effort to get out of your comfort zones to, to meet people who are willing to do that stuff. But I mean, I You're made definitely. so many friends playing games on Xbox live when I was like 12 to 15. Um, I did that. All I'll, the time. I'll bet you did. <laughs> <laughs> it's a girl. <laughs> usually they actually thought, cause I have a pretty deep voice for a woman anyway. They usually thought that I was a young boy and I just let it slide. I'd be like, yes, I'm a 10 year old male. <laughs> what is up? <laughs> <laughs> there was like people at my school who were also really naughty and awkward, who I did not talk to at school at all, but we would play games on Xbox live at night. <laughs> we were like too awkward to actually hang out in person. Even though we went to the same school, Damn, we'd be like, hey, that's just hey, like the hey. nerd version of Fight Club. Yeah, oh. pretty much. <laughs> Nobody knew we were playing right. Gears of War at night together or whatever. <laughs> right between the eyes. I yeah. haven't thought about there were there was like five people that I never talked to at school, but the second we all got on live, ooh. Well yeah, dude. We were like a clan. Yeah, it's a huge thing. <sighs> all right, let's move on. More details about The Last of Us 2 delay. Obviously, Sony came out, said it's being delayed indefinitely. Neil Druckmann uh, gave a pretty short interview with the official PlayStation blogcast. 
he basically said nothing's been decided yet, but he assured us that they're bummed to, he said the game's on the one yard line, which uh, in American football terms means it's very close to being done. They're just squashing bugs. And um, he, you know, but he, he made it clear also when asked if it would, they could just release it digitally. He said, well, it's a world worldwide release. It's not fair. We want to be fair to everybody. Yeah. yeah. So um, it, it sounds like it's frustrating to him because it, it might be a little bit further out than, than they want. Yeah. This um, whole situation is, is a pretty confusing one in it. I know that it was a Sony decision and not an audio decision by any means. And also that Sony didn't tell any of their other departments, like a lot of them, well, probably not any of the others, but I have friends at Sony who found out via that Twitter post. They did not get told that The Last of Us was being delayed indefinitely um, for any other reason. Uh, so it's it's been like very, very, very vague and the communication's been very strange. So I feel like Naughty Dog, I have no doubt, are bummed and did not want this to happen. And the game would be ready digitally. Um, my guess is it's a shipping issue in the same way that Final Fantasy VII uh, yep, Remake yep. kind of released that statement saying... Some of you are going to get it early. Some of you are going to get it late. That is their way of trying to negate unfair delays. And I think with the climate right now, just everyone has to figure out their way of doing it. I think the Final Fantasy route is probably going to be a very uncommon one, um, but probably is the most sort of business friendly one. It's like, we're just going to ship stuff out early. But yeah, it, it is it is largely shipping delays. I think in terms of production, um, actually getting the discs, they're fine. It's just that so many companies internationally are having trouble guaranteeing ship dates for anything so to have a global launch of what is probably going to be the biggest playstation 4 game maybe ever uh that's it's a big it's a big call you know it's not something definitely it, yeah definitely one of the top uh, uh, definitely a top five exclusive yeah uh, in, in terms of yeah. sales it's, it's gonna do tremendously well um so i feel like they just want to get it in everyone's hands at the same time and it's also for a game like that like if Final Fantasy VII struggled with the idea of people getting it early and spoiling it for others, imagine how The Last of Us Two feels. They don't want right because it's so story driven. Absolutely, and, and I, I'm sure they don't want streamers no. ruining it. Not that it's the streamers' fault, but if it's out there, people are going to stream it. Yeah, I mean that's part of their business. That's that's. I don't think yeah. it's like you know I'm not going to be mad at a streamer for for doing no, their job. Uh, but no. you know it's you know some people will take those and then comment on every goddamn twitter thread with spoilers because that's what people do and i can understand um naughty dog trying to preserve that for everyone um or sony trying to preserve that for everyone as well but yeah it's, it is also just a business issue the, the just release it digitally thing is again another thing that i always want to want to remind people in some places it still takes you know four days to download a game <laughs> like digitally is not just always Jesus an option even Christ. though i guess now you do still have to technically install them even if you get a disc but i think it's faster i'm still kind of unclear on, on how that's evolved but um i just i don't know i think that we should think about people who aren't us who can't just immediately access everything that they want um in this case and yeah it's it's a bummer but you know it's just if you don't know how to get everyone the game at the same time you gotta you gotta figure something else out so i i my guess like i said is just that they have to try to coordinate shipping is what they're trying to do. Yeah, and I, I think you're right in, in terms of Sony being like, no, this is going to be one of the crown jewels of the PlayStation 4. We're going to do this the way we want to do it whenever it is. And yeah. when it, you know, and if we have to push it back, that's fine. It's The Last of Us 2. It's going to command enough attention just by virtue of the fact that it's The Last of Us 2 so we can kind of... Uh, yeah push it back to whenever we want and and yeah. I, I i totally get that you know you want to at least give everybody the the same kind of uh first two or three days to where no one you know uh no one knows how how it's going to end nobody knows the story yeah and, you don't you don't want to screw of, that launch up it's such a big yeah. game you know you don't, you don't let everybody have the same starting line yeah, yeah exactly there's I, also I think, I think it's fair there's also a small amount of attachment rate right with a game like last of us 2 i mean it's a game that people that haven't gotten ps4s yet potentially would buy ps4s for sure yeah you know um yeah. so i think that's a large part of it too yeah it's it's a bummer because right now so many people will like that's like the one thing they were looking forward to is getting to play that game. But um, I just, I think it's, it's something that is such an important launch for Sony. Um, but yeah. it's also just like, yep. 
a lot of the way that finances work is like if you you would screw up your quarterly sales and what you've promised to your shareholders if th this is basically a staggered release. Um, the business side of this stuff is really complicated and, and screwing it up can have a huge impact on, you know, another Last of Us ever getting funded again. Uh, it's not terribly simple. Um, yeah, these are these are huge budget games. I mean, we're talking about, yeah, hundreds of millions of dollars in sales. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, they're not. The, this isn't an indie game on Steam. This, no. is, this is big business. <laughs> no, we work in a, in a big corporate industry. And sometimes I think it's easy to forget that. Uh, yeah. Because it still feels niche, even though it's, you know, the biggest industry, biggest entertainment industry globally. Yep. Um, yep. They have a lot of people that they have to please to get this stuff out there. And yeah, I would prefer to not have something go digital and screw over uh, the people who like maybe don't have internet connections that can even download a game of that size. I, I would prefer for us all to get to experience it at the same time. So I, I understand. <laughs> There is a, also a certain joy that we saw with Animal Crossing too of everyone kind of experiencing it at the same time. Yeah, for sure. At least those first few days. And, you know, it, it's cool. It was kind of all over social media. Everybody was, uh, you know, uh, tweeting pictures and stuff. I love that when we can still have uh, somewhat of a shared experience because I think everything's so fragmented now, but when, when a, a big game like that comes out or a big movie, it's, it's fun to see everybody, uh, you know, doing it all at the same time. Especially right now. It gives you a sense of, of togetherness and community that you can't get in the real totally. world. Totally. Yeah. It's, yep. it's important. Mm -hmm. It certainly helps with sales and marketing too, right? That word of yeah. mouth is still one of the biggest uh, motivating factors for consumers to buy like a game or whatever, at least in our industry is like that, that massive word of mouth that gets around. Yeah, I probably wouldn't have spent as much time playing Animal Crossing as I ended up doing because, like, I've, I've never, like, loved the Animal Crossing series, yet I've played a ton of uh, New Horizons and will continue to for sure. And I think it was because I saw so many of my friends tweeting about how great it was, and I was like, yeah, all right, I'll give it more time. And now I'm like, wow, I cannot put this down. Even though I don't... That FOMO, that FOMO kicks in, yep. Yeah, in part. I guess it was also just, I should listen to what you guys are saying. You're probably right, and I need <laughs> to give this more time. But I do have this weird thing with this game that kind of don't think it's a good game <laughs> like it's it's this really weird tangent where i'm addicted to it and i enjoy it but the systems are kind of bad so i'm like conflicted no, on how i there's feel so, about it so many it's like i i i cheese playing this game i'm just grinning but it's through absolute frustration where it's like there's so many obtuse choices that just every like i can't get you can't go a couple minutes without running into some sort of like mechanic that is just like what why like the fact that you can't use the right stick to choose what tool on the wheel you're selecting so you have to stop moving pick the tool you want let do the little animation to pull it out instead of like if i know that i'm about to pull vault over a river and i'm still like 10 feet away like let, let me keep moving towards the river while i pull my pull out it is know? yeah it's so I control the camera yeah it's so antiquated in so many ways and and it is like it almost wants you to embrace boredom um, <laughs> yeah. which is so weird yeah. for a game yeah it's very we strange. talked we talked about like the other week but like it, it the one good thing about that is that it does force you to slow down a bit and so it makes very menial things that seem uh like a way bigger deal so like when you you know, if you were able to pick up all of the stuff that you knocked out of a rock at the same time, I don't think, you know, getting three pieces of iron would feel as cool. You'd, you'd just be like, here's all my shit. But like when you knock that rock and every knock, it's like, there's a piece of iron. There's a piece of iron. Oh my God, there's four pieces of iron. Yeah, it's true. like you're picking each one up individually yeah. and it feels much more significant. Yeah, that's, that's fair. But well, it's not I'm a fun it's activity. A, <laughs> it's a very deliberate game in its, in its craft, right? But I just, I think I'm a... I'm inclined to agree with Alana. Like, I don't know if that, that deliberate design is healthy or fun. It's, it's just like, I feel like I want to write a feature about it. I have to figure out like what that looks like though. But, but for me, it's just, it's a game that I um, am addicted to and is extremely pleasant in a lot of ways that I feel like sort of is bad. <laughs> yeah. Like I know it's, that people it's... will be like, well, you know, then it's just not for you. And I'm like, it is for me because I'm playing the hell out of it and will continue to because I get very addicted to anything where I can build a city basically. Like, like The Sims gets me in a similar way where I'm like, I'm going to build the coolest house you've ever seen and then I stop playing it. Minecraft is the same thing. It gets me in that way where I'm like, I'm just going to make this this vision that I have come to reality but then you know when i'm walking around and i can't aim a watering can at a flower i'm like 
is this game not good? I get that we're enjoying it, but is it maybe not a good game? <laughs> I, I wonder too, if that's because of Stardew Valley, which I do think has kind of taken that formula to the next level. Yeah. It's, it's not the same. Yeah. It, yeah. I, th- I think they've, I think they perfected a lot of that because I think animal crossing and I do like it, but it's almost like a single player MMO, but it's the worst parts of an MMO, Yeah, <laughs> you know, it, but you're just by yourself. It, it is the weirdest game that has become super popular. I, I don't know if there's another kind of, franchise like this or a genre that has become as popular as animal crossing well, it's, I, so fu- it's funny you should mention mmos because i've always had the same thing and i actually did get halfway through writing a feature about it where i interviewed a, a psychologist um before i left ign and now can't publish that because you can't take something right. you've half written while All at a right. company yeah. yep. <laughs> so it's just done um but i was like look i love mmos i get really addicted to them but i actually don't think they're fun i don't think we actually enjoy playing them and uh the the verdict of of that which i guess like fed into my hypothesis was um no we don't it's actually the sense of reward that keeps you playing that gives you the sense of illusion that this game is enjoyable is that you Mm -hmm. feel like you are accomplishing small things all the time it is not actually that mechanically most of those games are are fun which obviously is mad subjective but i just think it's an interesting thing particularly about animal crossing where it's like so many flaws so many flaws and yet we're still playing it and still enjoying it. Yeah, I, I think that's totally right. Uh, I got the the most ever into an MMO I got. It was Final Fantasy XI. Mm. I was uh, at a newspaper in Waco. I felt like I was going nowhere in my career. And I loved playing this game because I could just, yeah, make progression. And, and you know, we we did raids. and uh, But basically... It was a chat room where you would sort of hang out with your friends and kind of make this illusion of progress. And for two years, that is all I did besides work. It was, and I still, but weirdly, I still miss that feeling. Totally. Yeah. (laughs) It's just not necessarily, you aren't necessarily enjoying what you're actually participating in. Yes. Or like the actual actions you are completing. It's it's just I, think I it's, miss those it's, serotonin doses. Yeah, it is. It's, I just think it's so interesting. Like like games like this where it's just small sets of accomplishments. You you feed into feeling like you are accomplishing something. Uh, yeah, and at the same time, you. sometimes it's like what people need. I don't know. Like that sure. probably helped you get through some some rough stuff that you were going through, yeah. Brian, when when that's you're playing right. Final Fantasy yeah. Eleven, and and yeah. that's helpful. It's definitely know? what I needed. Yep. Yeah, I'm not I, saying I totally that that Animal Crossing is all bad or like just because the design no. is deliberate to kind of like it it's hooks in you like sometimes that's okay you know yeah i'm, I'm really definitely having a good time sticks one by one more than pulling each individual hair out of my head uh. <laughs> <laughs> i just remember i i took it so seriously at one point uh somebody we we did a big raid and if you've ever done one of these you know it takes like a lot of planning and coordination and just to get everybody to show up at reasonably the same time is a huge deal somebody screwed something up and we wiped and it basically Mm -hmm. was over it ended the whole raid i remember going into my car and just having to yell yeah (laughs) because i was i was so mad and then even but even when i was doing it i was thinking you're way too into this you've you've got to you got to step back yeah yeah, that's how they get you. <laughs> yep, that's how they get you. Um, all right, let's uh, let's move on. Uh, Alana, you went to a preview event, and I think you are going to talk to us about this for Disintegration. Yeah. So um, the floor is yours. Tell us about it. Well, first up, did not go to a preview event because uh, we can't do those There now. are none of those. Yeah, yeah, so I think it's like a very interesting way uh, that previews are going to change um, that I think is actually very significantly going to hurt uh, the industry. I think that this is a thing that, that um, it is harder to get a positive impression of a game when you are watching a laggy, low-quality um, presentation over discord and i feel like you're going to see a lot less um accurate reviews people will have to figure out how to do it um but yeah when you you can't play the game uh you can't see anything in person and you're all just on a discord it's it's definitely going to change that side of of uh games media for sure which is fascinating but yeah so i watched basically a discord presentation on the single player of disintegration Uh, i don't have a ton to say about it um like if if i read over my notes it says, it looks like Destiny. I like the creepy bad guy. Transformers vibes. <laughs> Largely generic looking. Like, those are my first few notes. So basically, it's a first-person shooter 
um, that is set in this world. Uh, well, I guess it's Earth, actually. It's 150 years from now after humanity has been dealt some really difficult cards, including a, a global pandemic. Um, that was a thing that they wrote into the game before uh, this pandemic happened. Um, and I think probably in part because of the conflict of timing right now, they didn't want to talk to us too much about what actually happens in that pandemic. But um, basically everything goes to shit in the world. There are climate extremes, there are food shortages, uh, and people have to rely on this process that's called integration, where they integrate their brain and body into a robot, basically. Um, and it's, it's something that, for the most part, you're forced to do. There's a governing body that tries to make you do it, but there are people who haven't. Um, so you you play as someone who has integrated, and that means you know you get cool suit upgrades and all that kind of stuff uh, for when you're playing through this campaign, which, again, is sort of like a squad-based first-person shooter. The one thing that makes the combat a bit different is that... Uh, you are in, let me find out what the name of the thing is. You're in a vehicle called a grab cycle. So you have this, this squad of four. Uh, there are three other characters that you can control who have their own sort of abilities and stuff that you send off to do things. But you are sort of floating above the battlefield in this thing called a grab cycle, which is basically a mech. So you are participating in combat, uh, but it's not like a standard first-person shooter where you would be in the same perspective of everyone else in the fight because you're you're above them. Um, so it doesn't look top-down. It doesn't look first-person shooter. It sort of looks like like the UI of playing is D.Va in Overwatch, except you are a bit higher than everyone else, so they look pretty small and low. Um, but you have to both issue commands to your crew as they're, they're fighting sort of the sort of, I want to say, like, dictator-type uh, people who've integrated who are trying to take away freedoms and stuff as they do um, while in this grab cycle. And I think that's the thing that makes this game the most different um, outside of some of the parts that I found really generic looking is that you are playing from this this vehicle the whole time while also controlling a squad. Um, I think every combat instance that we saw, that's the way you play. I don't actually know if it's every single one is like that, but I would definitely recommend going to look at uh, some of the footage because it's a difficult thing to explain. When you see it, you get it, and it makes sense. But looking at it, um, yeah, sorry, uh, just hearing about it is is pretty confusing because it is really unique in that regard, um, even if it isn't in a lot of other ways. And I do want to mention that part of what makes it generic is that, yeah, it looks a lot like Destiny, uh, has Halo-y vibes, but that is because um, the guy who created it, or the... the one of the people on his team, it's uh, Marcus Leto, I believe is how you pronounce his name, you know, worked at Bungie. He was one of the creators of Master Chief. So he does have that experience that leads into, you know, this particular style. He created that style for those games. So it makes sense to me that this game also looks that way, um, to be fair. But yeah, so the gameplay, it it is going to have an 8 to 10 hour uh, campaign. And... You will still be a, a participant in all that first-person combat as you're exploring this world and like going on little missions to, to collect things to try to help the good guys in the most vague way um, that I can explain it. But yeah, you, you also do do your hovering and your grab cycle. And it's it's I'm, I really would just like to get my hands on it so that I know how that feels because right now I can see it and see that it looks interesting, but I, I wonder how many people that'll appeal to. Because like if you're saying it's a first-person shooter where you just control a mech, I mean, is that interesting to you guys? Yeah, I, I actually yeah, got a chance to play it. That's tough to just watch it over Discord. Yeah. It, did you play the multiplayer, Evan? Yeah, I did play the multiplayer beta. back at PAX. Um, yeah. Uh, PAX West. And, and yeah, it's definitely an interesting game. I liked it quite a bit. It's, it is it does seem kind of overwhelming because, yeah, like you said, you've got your grab cycle. It's kind of like the commander, I guess, of the, the three other units. Mm -hmm. And those each have their own kind of unique abilities or kind of things that you want them to be doing yeah um but they kind of all just auto example, attack yeah yeah one of them has a slow field right I think that's uh the, the ranger is what i've written here has yes a, there's like, like a ranger kind down. of there's a tank sort of there's a warrior then, yeah, yeah that has a concussion grenade and then a striker that has like a mortar strike so they all have little different different abilities but i mean how does it feel actually playing that um it feels good it feels like there's definitely a little bit of a learning curve because there is a lot going on but it's fun i thought it was an interesting take on the the genre of mashing up first person shooters and rts so i think people if you're even like a little bit interested it it's kind of a cool thing to check out any any other thoughts about uh the game before we move on 
Um, yeah, you, you can change stuff to do with your grab cycle as well. Like you can have a light one, a, a medium one, abby one. Um, so it, it's definitely like that part of it I am very intrigued by. Um, it is also worth mentioning that it's a really small team uh, with a big background in AAA games. I think virtually all of them. Um, it has multiplayer, as mentioned, uh, but also, you know, the, the campaign and the story that just yeah. unfortunately feels a lot like a lot of other things that I've played right now. Um, I guess the bad guys are interesting. I think they're called the Rayon. Black Shuck is the main bad guy. Um, he's got this cool ship and he's basically stationed over what's left of North America and it's just kind of mopping up the remainder of outlaws who are still out there resisting and, and fighting basically around the perimeter of this global conflict. Um, yeah, so it's, it's I don't know. I, I don't know if it's because of the way the preview event was uh, or because this game looked like so many other games to me, um, just, you know, in the screenshots or whatever, that it didn't hugely appeal to me. Um, there's def definitely something very unique about it, and I want to give it credit for that. But uh, it's, I, d I don't know, I feel like, you know, after just so many things that I've played looking very similar, it's it's a hard sell for me on this one, which is a bummer. Like, there's notes that I've written here that's, like I have, oh, like that's on, that's honest though. That's an honest. Opinion. Yeah, I don't. I just don't, don't want to shut all over it because it is a really small team. And right. I think they've done something extremely ambitious, um, and I also don't feel like I fully grasped what it is because I didn't get to see it in person. So I just I want to be very clear about that. But um, like I have notes here where I'm like, there's a scan mode that scans environments, and you can find health. Like there's just so many like basic notes that I have <laughs> that don't right. feel like quite enough to to sell me on it. I guess I would like to see more. Um, but at this stage, I am going to say like, if it, if something about this piques your interest at all, if you like mechs, cause that's definitely a thing. I really like the mech design too. Um, go check out gameplay. I know, uh, IGN had an IGN first where they managed to get, I think 12 minutes of gameplay or something of the single player campaign. So definitely take a look at that. It's not like I'm going to tell you not to look at this game. Um, by any means, I think it's just probably something that will definitely click with some people, but not with others basically. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. there you go. So uh, thank you for your thoughts on that. And now let's move on to our last and favorite segment of the show, the questions. Okay. This one is from Robbie or uh, maybe a zero instead of Roby. Has quarantine affected your workflow? And if so, will there be any practices you'll carry over after the COVID-19 isolation ends. Yes, it has definitely affected our workflow. Uh, for me, I've always kind of worked remotely because I'm in Austin and, and most of the team is in LA. So, um, and, and not that much for me actually, but, but everyone else is definitely working from home. I, I don't know that that's interesting, uh, to wonder if we will, I, I assume we'll go back to the set thing. We have heard from viewers though, that they kind of like our, our, our zoom uh, presentation, the way we do it. I assume we'll go back to more of a traditional set though. Probably. Yeah. yeah. I, it's, it's still kind of hard for me to imagine when things will go back to normal and how that might in, in impact us. I think like the big thing we've added is a lot more streaming and that's made things interesting and, and taking up people's responsibilities and stuff. And it's also like changed the way that we handle the daily and who edits the daily and stuff like that. And like roles kind of have become a little more stagnant than they were before, which is okay. Like everything's working out, but yeah, it's, it's with all the changes, it's, it's hard to imagine a life where we're back in the office, I guess. Mm. I mean, it's going to be I a think while. One of the, yeah. yeah. I think one of the things this is all going to, unveil well there's a lot of things i think that's going to change in this aftermath but i i think a lot of jobs are uh, it's shown that you can work from home in a lot of jobs if you have to oh man i, I love it gonna, yeah me too well sometimes i <laughs> love it yeah but uh it, it's it's um you know it, it, i do feel very lucky to be able to work from home because i have a lot of friends who can't and have yeah. gotten laid off so it's, yeah. it's a definitely a bummer yeah um it it I don't I don't actually feel like anything that that we've changed like for Funhouse um, will stay this way. I think that we probably will go back to the way everything uh, worked before. Um, but I mean, the the biggest thing we're having is just every single video that's about half an hour of tech issues. <laughs> every single time. Totally. Yeah. Yep. yeah it's yep. kind of a mess. It's that way with us. Yeah. Yep. Um, which is just because everyone has different setups, and for some reason these setups just decide to change whenever they want uh it's a thing 
like just your OBS, which is what we generally use to record, just changes at its own discretion for whatever goddamn reason. <laughs> it's very annoying. Um, so I feel like, yeah, I, one why do they have to do it'll, that? Yeah, it'll it'll go back to normal. But that's one thing that I always hope is like a person who has uh, various illnesses that can make it difficult to to work in an office sometimes. Um, more companies being open to people working from home is a big win for me. I hope that that happens, but we'll see. Yeah, it seems like that might might be the case. I mean, on the other end, I don't know if we want to get into it, but there's also a lot of people who are losing work and that sort of thing too, which really, really sucks. Yeah, um, and my, uh, I've got family who basically like run a, a business from a market and all the markets are closed and they're like, we just aren't going to have any income. We oof. don't know when we're going to have income back. And that stuff's obviously really scary and we are everyone at inside gaming and, and generally uh a lot of the rooster teeth family are very very privileged um positions right now that yeah we can, for, oh, for sure yeah. continue doing uh, totally yeah I, I i um uh do stand up and it, obviously stand up has just been completely wiped out uh you know a lot of the clubs are doing gofundmes for the staff yeah and a lot of my comic friends you know they work service industry jobs because they're kind of flexible jobs and those have been wiped out too so it's you know, for so many people, I mean, you just have to look at the unemployment numbers in the U.S. and all the claims. It's just point six million uh, now. I think it's a, think it's it's a mess. Hasn't it, hasn't you know, it gone even higher than that. I'm. Sh- I, yeah, I think I think, I think she was today. referring to just the latest ones. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah I mean, the, the the huge silver lining to this entire thing is uh, digital raves. Love <laughs> going to a good digital rave. It's really the next evolution of the silent disco, and I'm here for it. I, I mean, do think I, if, I, if anything is going to stay around on, on Rooster Teeth's side is that um, the streams will probably continue. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the audience oh, seems yeah. to really like them. And, I mean, I find them fun to do. So I think that's probably a thing that now that, you know, we've set that up that uh, it can work and it can also work from home, I think that's probably something that will continue to happen. Yeah, I um, – I, I think the streaming is going to be good. Um, it's just going to be, uh, it's scary right now. It just really is. That leads to the next question. Ben Johnsick, is everything going to be okay? <laughs> I wish I knew the answer to that. I, I hope so. I, you know, I, I think, I think we're in for some pretty dark times, but you know, I, I think the best you can do is take care of yourself don't don't take any reckless chances. You know, try to uh, try to stay home if you can. As a homebody, I do feel a little uh, advantaged because I don't mind staying at home for long periods of time. Oh, but sure. I know a lot of you are going stir crazy. Yeah, yeah. The one thing that I, I want to preach to just take a minute to to tell people because uh, it is, has been so good for me in the past is even if you're at home and you're not a person who generally does it and you think it's lame or whatever please try to do a little bit of exercise, not just because yes. like, you know, you should lose weight or whatever, but because you vastly underestimate how good exercise is for your mental health. And I think that's a very big part of obviously, you know, people's physical health is, is the big part of the conversation right now, but staying home and not talking to people isn't easy for any of us either. It's not something we're used to. Humans need social interaction. You have to make sure that you're okay uh right now uh or as okay as we can be when everyone's just riddled with anxiety and miserable so please um you know even if it's not something you've ever done before just consider trying to get your uh, heart rate up a little bit if you can because it's just so good for your brain uh in the long run it will make you feel a lot better and that's you know that's not me preaching some pseudoscience that is literal science. No, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good point. Yes. I, I, I recently, well, this is about 10 weeks ago. I started like a couch to 10 K thing. And there was an app that just sort of tells you when to run and when to walk. And it starts you off really easily and it, it works you up. I, I highly recommend doing something like that, but yeah, you don't have to do a ton of stuff at first. Just take it easy. And just in general, also, I think this is an important thing to remember. Go easy on yourself. If you're having a bad day, that is totally yeah, okay. You're if you're not doing well today, you are totally allowed. Yeah. And if you just need to uh, stay in bed all day and be upset, like don't don't put pressure on yourself because all of us are going through this and, and everybody has bad days. So just like uh, try to give yourself as much of a break as possible is what I, is what I would say. Yeah. No putting pressure on yourself. Don't need to do that. Nope. Nope. Play some video games. Chill out. Um, all right. Let's take one more question. And I think we are coming up on an hour. 
which means we're done. <laughs> Let's see. Um, Brandon, do you ever go ass to mouth? I can't say that I have, but thank you for the question. <laughs> now, now this just feels like a public access call-in. Yeah, show. that's a great one. Um, to end okay. On. Yeah. Here's no. Here's something. We're gonna end from Baker. Send news really got me into more podcasts in general. Well, thank you very much. What podcast do y'all enjoy slash like to listen to? Or would recommend that is a great question. Oh jeez! Uh, somebody else have oh, some podcast crack my knuckles real quick. Oh yeah, same. Okay. Despite uh, the fact that I run uh, three of them frequently, I'm not a podcast person. I that don't makes sense. listen to podcasts. I think maybe because I can shoot. Uh, I'm making them, so I have to listen to the ones I'm making several times a week. But yeah. Man, I know a lot of people really like all the the murder ones. I, I've been thinking about I, maybe trying to get into some of that. I, I okay. So on that front, sorry if I offend anybody. Absolutely, skip my favorite murder. You don't need to be a murderino. That show is dumb. If you want something <laughs> along that line, that's way better. Oh, boo! I'm friends with Karen. No, I love my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> are you are you doing a bit? Are you serious? No, I am. I also okay. get the impression I, I that that no... podcast is 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 um hugely like uh female centric i get the impression that that podcast no it is, is it's f- is huge female oh, audience yeah. it, and it, that, that women tend to really enjoy no, that yeah. show it's it, i i i uh gave my favorite murder a chance for a, a, a good long while and i just couldn't and then i i didn't i didn't realize how much i didn't like my favorite murder um until i started listening to the last podcast on the left where like mm-hmm. It's this. It's the same kind of shtick where it's a lot of like uh, true, like real crime and and like serial killers and spooky shit. But like, um, I have listened to that podcast and found it very funny. Yeah, last podcast. That's the thing is that like I my my issue with my favorite murder has very little to do with you know like the even the 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 host so much as just like the way that how last podcast on the left um, seems to treat these cases with like a, a severe amount of respect because at the end of the day, they are like horrific things that have happened to real people, but like, it's still, yeah, and that's a it's dang, still like yeah, gut bustingly yeah. funny um, because the humor comes not from like making fun of somebody that got murdered so much as like m- making fun of like making fun of like the, the way stupid that murder is a lot of the time. Yeah. It's like, yeah, the, yeah, the, exactly. Like the killers are the butt of the jokes sometimes. Um, but yeah. And uh, if, if y'all don't mind me continuing on this tangent uh, every day, I listen to, because I'm the opposite, Alana. I'm, I am a podcast head. I listen to uh, New York Times The Daily podcast pretty much every day. Yes, great. Uh, the yep. Daily is mm-hmm. fantastic. I highly, that is probably my most listened to podcast. Yeah, if you like if you like news, it is so well done, and it's out every morning at like six a.m. Yeah, Damn, they, they do a good that job. is How do they one do of the that? most. I, it's insane. Like they have an entire like thirty plus I think person team just producing this one podcast yeah. and they, Damn. they, they sink a ton of resources. Wow. It's, it's one of the best, yeah. most impressive produced podcasts I've, I've ever seen. Um, and it is so tight. Like they, 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 it's just that perfect amount of time where like, you know, it'll fill up your commute to work. It's not too long. It's not too short. Yep. It's usually about 20, 30 yeah, minutes. Good, good tight podcast. Yeah. Um, that's what I like to hear. Uh, then, uh, then uh, a couple, couple, couple more, if you don't mind, while I'm just going hot here. Uh, I never got into Pod Save America, but there's a spinoff called The Wilderness. That's really good. It's like basically just the history of the Democratic Party in America, um, both for the for the better and for the worse. Uh, there's a podcast. Little you might not have heard of it. It's called the Joe Rogan Experience. Um, <laughs> oh, <no>. uh, <laughs> he does not. No, need he does our not. Uh, no, and then hey, have you heard of the Ricky Gervais show? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the last one I'll plug uh, is uh, one I just finished listening to um, called uh, Stephen Fry's Seven Deadly Sins. Um, and it's just, and like, okay. whether you think Stephen Fry is like inspirational or a fucking blowhard, um, it's, it's him going like basically through each of the classical seven deadly sins from like, you know, the divine comedy and, um, going through them like each. So there's like one per episode. Um, and they're pretty short. They're like 30, 40 ish minute episodes. Um, and like, whether you like, I was going to say like, whether you like him or hate him, Stephen Fry is like a very well-spoken, well-articulated, uh, man that just gets into like the mm. nuance of, how these like classical sins are and like puts them through like a modern lens and stuff. It's really, really cool. I was like redoing my room this, this last weekend and burned through the entire, sh- entire show and like, nice. like a day. So cool. 
All right, Evan, you got any? Oh man, I do, but I I can't I can't recommend them in good faith here because then everyone will stop listening to send news and listen to other gaming podcasts. Like I am <laughs> oh, that guy. I, I, I listen to like All every right. gaming podcast. If it's a major gaming podcast, I probably listen to it. Waypoint um, Radio. Give credit for that. The only one I kind of listen to regularly is Video Game Apocalypse. Okay. The laser laser time. They're, those guys are. All yeah, right. I, I guess like. I, I, I guess I could do a solid and, and uh, wholeheartedly recommend the Spawn Omni podcast that Khalif Adams d- does. Like, full disclosure, okay. like, I jam with that guy sometimes and help him make stuff sometimes. Um, and he basically just uh, focuses on, um, you know, diversity in the games industry and, and uh, uh, POC, people of color and things. Cool. Uh, and that perspective, which is really cool. It's nice to get that new perspective. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd yeah. recommend that. And then... Um, just in terms of quality, like retro gaming podcasts, you cannot beat Retronauts with Jeremy Parrish. Like that dude knows mm-hmm. his stuff through and through and obviously is doing um, a lot to kind of preserve the history of video games and things like that. And then they also obviously do the podcast, which I think has a, a Patreon and they're funded that way. Um, it's really good. But yeah, nice. I, like I, listening. I listen to like Giant Bombs. And it's like 2009 every single episode. And uh, yeah, pretty much every like major gaming podcast that's like come up and died or come back since then. So um, you're you're about that life. Yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> the gaming podcast scene was like my shit. That's like how I got into this industry. And it's like the like once I started working in games, my podcast started skewing pretty heavily away from games. Like there's still still some like Waypoint Radio and like when um that makes sense though if that's your yeah, job. Like, like, yeah. you're consuming it all the time. Yeah, it's yeah. like when Polygon was doing quality control. I used to think that was such an awesome tight little show that they did and I don't I don't think they really do it anymore. <laughs> but like man, yeah you were talking about like Beyond earlier. I used to listen to like Beyond and GameScoop and mm. uh they had that knocking boots spin-off podcast and it was <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Those are those are those are cool times back in like two thousand eight. All right. I'll I'll give a few and then we'll uh let's wrap up because we're uh, uh, we're running a little bit over. I, I'm a big NPR news junkie, so uh, Fresh Air, uh, The Daily is great. Um, this American Life, I love. On the media, a lot of WNYC stuff. The uh, United States of Anxiety is really good. They're kind of looking at like post reconstruction and how that shaped America, just like from a historical perspective. Very good. The New Yorker political scene, if you like politics, that's very good. Uh, WTF with Mark Marin. He interviews other comics. He can kind of go on and on, but the interviews are usually good. Um, I'm weirdly into like prison stuff. Like I, I, I'm like obsessed with prison. So there's one called Ear Hustle. That's real. It's filmed in San Quentin by inmates. No way. Uh, I was just yeah, about to make a joke wow. about how like inmates at Rikers are like just fashioned like a really weird studio. No. <laughs> like, yeah. That's crazy. That's uh, awesome. That's it. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, for uh, Criminal is a pretty good yeah. true crime podcast. Uh, also in the dark, uh, they kind of do a deep dive like investigation, kind of similar to Serial. Uh, for funny slash leftist stuff, I love Chapo Trap House. <laughs> I love Come Town. Those are my boys. <laughs> I've, I've known them for a long time. And uh, yeah, that's all mine. Do you, Brian, I, uh, so to you being like an NPR kind of junkie, like I used to listen to like NPR on the radio a lot, but um, not so much anymore. So yeah. like right now, the only NPR podcast I'm sub to is the news now one. That's like the hourly updates. Um, and it's just, there's yeah. so, so much of it. Cause it's, again, it's every hour that I kind of tune into it every now that. and then, but yeah, like, what do you like, yeah. is there like a, just one news centric NPR podcast? That you, Cause I, I, I like fresh air is cool and stuff. And it's like the contemporary topics and whatever, but like the, like if there's like a news one specifically, no, not really. really. <laughs> yeah. My, my main one is like fresh air. Yeah. Okay. And, and for my newsy stuff, I'll, I'll listen to the yeah. daily, but that's kind of my main, like sort of regular gotcha. news. Um, but yeah, you, all right. Do you guys have the time to listen to all of these? Well, I used to have an hour <laughs> and 40 minute commute. So exactly. Yeah. yeah the commute. True. It's harder now. Mine are mine are backing up. Yeah, they're up they're backing time. up huge. Yeah. They're not driving the to the office. Yeah. yeah. Also, yeah, I always, I bet podcast numbers are dropping like crazy. It's it's honestly <laughs> totally. like cooking, and like I'll throw it on in the background if I'm like doing. Like I said, I was like moving shit around my room and like redoing my closet and stuff. So I had that that going. Just like stuff where I'm like not yeah. visually paying attention to it. Like it's yeah, that's okay. really the only like, way I can consider it anymore. I guess I listen to music in those periods of time. I I switch like, off yeah between that and music, but like so I don't know. There's 
sometimes like I, for, for me, like uh, cooking specifically, like I love just kind of like putting on a podcast and kind of like Listen to some zoning out. Yeah, I respect yeah. that. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's wrap it up. That's uh, that's it for this episode of Sin News. Alana, thank you so much. That was a real treat to have you join us. Of course. Yeah. And um, we will see you all next week. Bye. Bye, Bye everyone. See you.